This week on Physically Spiritual, I have the honor of speaking with Stephanie Schleter. We're going to explore motherhood, prayer as a family, and so much more. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to to harmonize and share what I've discovered. As I've grown physically healthier, it's revolutionized my relationship with God and transformed my ability to live a life fully for the Lord. And Physically Spiritual, every week I either bring on a guest or give a presentation to integrate uh, faith and health in a way to give a more holistic Catholic worldview. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you, Andrew. So this is the first for the show. Last year, I think it was episode in the 80s, your husband Greg was on. Yes. And I was doing a series on fatherhood. It was recently after our first son, Solanus, was born. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I thought, what's more physically spiritual than fatherhood? Yes. Uh, but I also felt only partially qualified to talk about the topic as a new father. <laughs> so I brought on a series of guests. And I was thinking of like men in my life who mm-hmm. really like contributed something above and beyond what my father gave me, my biological father gave me, like teaching me to be the father that I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And Greg, I thought above anyone else had taught me how to pray with my family. Um, and as I did the series, my wife and some other women in my life were like, well, when's the series on motherhood coming out? And I thought, <laughs> well, I'm great. especially not qualified <laughs> to talk about motherhood. I'm glad you said that, Andrew. I'm yeah. glad you said that. I'm, I'm neither a woman nor a mother. Um, but I relented after a while thinking, well, this will get me an opportunity to bring on, you know, some women that I know who, you know, just live motherhood really beautifully. Mm. And as I was sort of praying about that, you were one of the people that the Lord brought to my mind, mm. both you. as a beautiful example as a mother, but also, you know, as someone whose children are kind of moving into that adult phase of life yes. and going through that transition. Um, yeah, so... So I start every episode by asking the guest, like, what the Lord did in your life and your story to bring you into your mission. Mm. And I thought this would be particularly interesting because everyone heard Greg's version of the story. <laughs> so it gets to be fact-checked or... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So first of all, sincerely thank you for asking. And as I said, I'm doing this out of great love for you and Brittany, I'll throw in there. Um, But we have been blessed. I just want to declare that by you and your beautiful wife and certainly now Solanus and little Maria in the womb, but um, in in your friendship with us and in your support with us. And so I I couldn't say no. (laughs) So mission, um, our story, my story. It's interesting. I was blessed to be at Mass this morning at the monastery and Father Kidd spoke of our origin story, you know, the, our beginning, like what kind of, you know, brought us to that point. And, um, and it, so already praying into that a little bit and how we're meant to use that, you know, to bring others to him and certainly root ourselves more deeply, um, in our relationship with the Lord. So I should have had a little primer thing (laughs) with that, but I don't. So, um, so I am, uh, 53, which I, Proudly proclaim, blessed fifty-three years of life coming out the gates with the age. Yes, yes, praise God. Um, And I was born in Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm eleventh out of twelve children. I have nine brothers and two sisters. Um, So a unique part of my story uh, is that when I was five years old, um, our mother passed away, Mm. and so 
she hadn't been sick. Um, she was pregnant with baby number 13. She and my dad were on their way to the March for Life. And very unexpectedly, in the middle of the night on the bus trip down there, um, she passed away in her sleep. The Lord called her home. So huge part of my formation in my story, right? And that my dad came home to raise 12 children by himself. My oldest brother was mm -hmm. 17, and my youngest brother was three. And so more than anything, being formed in the faith of, you know, God is faithful, he is good, and he provides what he calls you to. And so that kind of theme, I think— you know, was woven in and out through everything. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it was perfect. That doesn't mean that there were, you know, weren't tough days. I never, ever remember my dad complaining or questioning. And, you know, who knows what happened <laughs> behind mm -hmm. closed doors and his prayer with the Lord, but um, always gave that witness of, you know, you just, you just do it. What God yeah. calls you to, he provides for. So, um, we were blessed also to be in Catholic school with a number of beautiful sisters who were very big in formation um, of our life. And I will say also, because I was so little and was blessed in my family, in particular my grandmother, and in particular these sisters, just a real um, relationship with the Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. And so that idea of a Heavenly Mother was not foreign to me because I talked to my mom all the time. You know, I knew I prayed she was in heaven as a little child, thought she was, you know, but um, so I thought it was kind of cool that I had two heavenly mothers. So that relationship, I would say, looking back, was very much formative of my own motherhood mm -hmm. um, to have Our Lady, to have uh, a mother that I believe saw, <laughs> saw everything I did, yeah. um, but also interceded for me in that way also. Um, so fast forward, I stayed local um, in Erie, Pennsylvania. That's where I went to college. Um, I was uh, went to Gannon and uh, got my degree in education, so felt called to be a teacher. And um, amidst that, had always been very involved in you know the church. Again, that was how we grew up. You were just part of your parish. We were very involved in the pro-life movement that just was interwoven in everything we did. Um, we, I saw very much with siblings, um, poor decisions and great decisions. And um, I was always one, and I joke with Greg that he's blessed that I always did what I was supposed to do. <laughs> but I just, I was always very close with my dad. And when I saw some of the decisions that some of my siblings made and the heartache that that caused, it was like, I, you know, I just didn't want to bring him that. And so the Lord used that too to kind of draw me closer to him um, in an interesting way. So, being involved in ministry things, in particular youth ministry, uh, I was I helped Father Larry Richards um, at our parish in youth ministry, and there was a retreat. This is all going to tie together. Um, that was brought to our diocese of Erie with a group from uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville. Mm -hmm. So at that time, there was a young man named Greg Schleter who. Um, was working for the Light and Life Foundation there and was kind of instrumental in pulling this team of college kids together to do chastity retreats. And it was called Heart and Soul. 
And so Father Larry had, had asked me to come lead a small group and, you know, be a chaperone and whatnot. And so this, I, so that was technically the first time I met Greg. And there was a, a woman who worked at the diocese who was so excited for me to meet him. She had known his family and super excited to introduce us. And I got this very quick, um, hi. And then he went right back <laughs> to minister. And those of you who know Greg, I have to say this, you may think of him um, with his bow tie on or whatever for Sunday Mass. At that point, he had a do-rag on, ripped jeans, and bare feet. So it was kind of a little different uh, <laughs> scenario there. But anyway, so this program, I bring it up also because um, the the Greg at that point, maybe a year into it, had left to discern the priesthood. And he... Um, left the team, and they had continued to do these heart and soul retreats. Our diocese had another one scheduled, and it was a pretty large group, like 200 kids maybe, high mm -hmm. schoolers. And they had, for whatever reason, pulled out right beforehand. Mm -hmm. So this woman who was excited for me to meet Greg, Barb Burkett is her name, shout out to Barb, um, she called me and she said, Steph, can you pull together a team to do this retreat we can't cancel. And I'm like, when is it? She's like, in like a week and a half or two weeks, whatever it was. I'm like, oh my goodness. So long story short, it was the most rag team, crazy, pulled together Bethlehem stable and then some kind of day. And the Lord used it in such profound ways, just used our yes, I can't even tell you. And so then that kind of took off and mm. other parishes in our diocese had requested this retreat. I was teaching at the time, loved teaching. It was getting to be too much um, to do both. And so talking to Barb, I said, I'm not interested in the position. I will help with whatever, but why don't we write a grant to make this a full-time position, mm. like a chastity and young adult coordinator kind of thing. And so at that point, Greg had discerned out of seminary. It was a couple years later. And um, end of the story is not many people can say they wrote a grant to bring their husband to town. <laughs> <laughs> so that really um, kind of launched our mission together, um, and the Lord used that. Uh, Greg was not interested whatsoever in dating me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had a phenomenal spiritual director, um, that I was so blessed by. And I was at that point in my life, um, I was feeling, I was very open to religious life. Um, I love to love and just feeling like this overwhelming, like, Lord, I need to direct this yeah. more specifically. And so um, my spiritual director, you know, helped me with some of that. And, uh, and so I was at that point where it was like, okay, like, I just, it needs to be more focused. And that was right when I met Greg. And I was like, I didn't want, like, I, you know, <laughs> I resisted, but it was like for two seconds. And I was like, okay. So it was an interesting thing because I felt like it was a place where I completely surrendered. And, but the answer wasn't right there in regards to him not um, being open to that. So I keep saying fast forward, but fast forward and within, um, so we continued to do ministry together and really became each other's best friend. Mm -hmm. And um, again, it was kind of a laying down that desire and where I thought the Lord was leading. And he came in January. We started dating in June. We were engaged in October <laughs> and then we were married the follow following June. So mission has always been part of our relationship, yeah. um, which has been a real gift 
in that. So I'll pause because you look like you want to say something. No, I, I just, I think for a lot of people, it's like there's that mutual attraction leading into becoming good friends, then leading into a shared mission. Yes. And it's just interesting that it kind of went in a bit of reverse order for you all. It was like you had a shared mission, which grew into a friendship, which blossomed the romance. Yes. Um, we usually don't do things how <laughs> they typically <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But earlier in your story, I was just struck by um, the way that the church stepped in in so many ways to enflesh motherhood in your life. Mm, yes. Right. The religious sisters, the other women who are kind of throughout your story, your extended family, your grandmother, like all these, all these relationships um, that I'm sure there was still a lot of grief, a lot of pain, a lot of wounds associated with losing your mother. Mm -hmm. But this way that in a way you were kind of given something throughout it that you wouldn't have had. Absolutely. Where the Lord kind of brought blessings out of, out of the suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just the first thing that struck me was, the gift of the church. Yes. You know, and, and one of the ideas that I ponder a lot is called Chesterton's fence. And it's this basic idea that like, you don't, don't tear down the fence until you know what it's holding in. Mm. And in so many ways, what our modern society does is, well, if we don't know why it's there, we just tear it down. Tear it down, right. Right. But really it should be the opposite. We should wait to tear things down until we know why it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in so many ways, like all of the social fabric relationally, emotionally, physically, that the church provides, you know, and so many people in our world just sort of get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But then when they're in those situations, they just don't have anything anymore. Right. Or they rely on the government to provide it all. Right. Which is so impersonal and Correct. Uh, and systematized and all that. Um, yeah. So I'm just curious, um, like thinking of then you shifting into that phase of then becoming a mother, mm-hmm. like what was that like, you know, not having grown up with a mother in the home at least, but then having all these other women in your life who enfleshed motherhood and other facets, mm-hmm. but then also having this kind of spiritual connection to your own mother. Um, like I know like Brittany now becoming a parent, like the first thing she does is she calls up her mom mm-hmm. when she has a question mm-hmm. but like that wasn't there for you in the same way. Right. So like, how did that next phase of your life, how was that affected by that experience? Good question, Andrew. So I would say that everything, everything that you just voiced, yes, yes, and yes. Mm-hmm. And then my sisters-in-law of my older brothers mm. were, I just want to shout out to them too, yeah. very formative and watching them with their kids. So my first um, nephew was born when I was in fourth grade. Wow. So, um, you know, just being around that also was very formative mm-hmm. and watching, but it's very different, yeah. right? And so uh, not to sound cold, but you don't know, you don't miss what you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and that sounds kind of like, unfeeling, there were definitely times where I longed for a mother, you know, or like, you know, from the little things, like when in grade school, when you did your little Mother's Day project and Mm -hmm. now praise God, I had a grandmother that I gave it to, but Mm -hmm. everyone talked about their moms or like in high school, 
you know, everyone complained about their moms and, you know, and just like, I'm like, oh my gosh, do you know how blessed you are? And, you know, but, you know, you just smile and listen or whatever and, you know, challenge a little bit. So in those realms, I mean, and, you know, certainly other much more significant ways missing what it would be like. So I was blessed also, I'm, I'm going to say this for a little bit of, of um, a infleshing is, um, that that I don't know if it's how we grew up or my dad's example or just, you know, nature with some nurture, but you just rolled with things. Like yeah. you dealt with whatever. And I know it was a different generation also. And um so that being said, as marriage approached and um I had a a, a sister that I was very close with, Sister Mary Andrew, who's actually mm. our son Joseph's godmother. And she was su- such a motherly presence that the Lord blessed me with during our wedding in particular. And um, she made, had offered to make my wedding veil. And wow. so, and did this beautiful little hand stitch something all the way around it. And I know with every stitch came a prayer. Um, when we we were blessed to be able to buy a house um, and she went and helped me set it up. And like, even thinking back on it, it meant something then, but you know, years later, like she helped get our bedroom together. Like, how beautiful is that? Like a sister, a bride of Christ, you know, helping me to make what would be our wedding bed, you know? Yeah. And um, and so in those ways, the Lord just seemed to very much, as you said, like give me specific blessing in motherhood through the church, you know, throughout and in very specific times and ways. So, you know, we were blessed right away to— um, get pregnant, um, the blessing of our little Anne Marie. And I was so sick. She was the only one I was sick for. <laughs> I like to remind her of that sometimes. But um, just the excitement and the joy and being able to share it with Greg um, in such a beautiful, real way. Like he, I could just do an episode sometime, Andrew, if you want. Uh, I could just tell you how much I love Greg and how wonderful he is. And <laughs> How blessed I am, but I don't know how many people would actually be interested in that. But I know um, one would. So just incredible. So that, in a different way, you know, fills in different things. Um, and I lost sight of your question in my rambling. But the um, oh, so, just just navigating that transition into motherhood. Not in light of it. your story, yeah, yeah. So I just I feel like the Lord just provided the the spiritual graces, and I know it sounds like yeah. a lofty answer. Um, but that's all I got for you. <laughs> well, so that the the just kind of pushing through, um, yeah, I mean, again, my by uh, being pregnant in labor, not knowing like all of those things, um, I feel like I was just blessed with other women around me. and it but it was different. It was different. Yeah. I don't want to lessen um for other people too, who may hear this, who ha- may have lost a mother years ago or recently. It is a loss, but yeah. the Lord fills in the gap. Yeah. Well, as you're talking, it reminds me, like one of the ideas of grace our church has is called a grace of state. Mm-hmm. And basically it's the idea that whatever the Lord calls us to, he provides the grace for. Yes. Uh, and there, but there's a couple of dynamics in that. One is God doesn't give us the grace before we have the state. Correct. <laughs> so like in our world, a lot of times it's like, figure it out ahead of time. Yes. It's like, count your... It's almost like have all the money in the bank before you need to spend it, mm-hmm. but that's not how God works. 
um, you know, like going into having children, you know, and, and the Lord took his good time for Brittany and I to have kids mm-hmm. in his providence and, and praise God for all the growth we had during that time. Yes. But even after being married for eight years and I was in my mid thirties and, um, I still didn't feel ready right. to be a father. Right. But on the other hand, I know that there were graces the Lord has given us after having children that weren't there before. Mm-hmm. So similarly, as you're talking about that, that just makes so much sense. You know, that the Lord provided you with the grace in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's such a deep, I think, enrich idea in our tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not, um, it's not a tempting of the Lord. Like I'm just going to keep taking on more difficult things trusting that the Lord will provide grace. It's it's the Lord's leading me into this mm-hmm. so I can trust. Amen. And I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, people's uh, comments or ideas of, well, aren't you feeling that? Or shouldn't you feel that? Or aren't you wounded that? Mm. And it's like, no, I'm actually not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes we play mind games in that and not trusting the grace that of of the states, right? The grace of mm-hmm. the present moment, and and you know, like gosh, like holding Annie for that first time, mm. right? Um, you know, people say, "Well, didn't you miss your mom?" Well, I had a greater appreciation for my mom yeah. <laughs> and what she went through twelve times, but um, but just that, I think we need to to um, rediscover and proclaim. Exactly that, the the present moment of gift, yeah. you know, instead of the, oh, the, and I'm not saying there's not a place to deal with stuff that's real, yeah. but not to project it of what, yeah. you know, society now or culture now, or, you know, sometimes people in the church even think, you know, that this is how you should feel, or you must be dealing with this and you, it's just repressed, yeah. you know, actually not. I think for me, as I talk about holding Annie for the first time, um, I was very blessed that Annie and her husband, Colin, invited me to the birth of their child. And so to be able to be present that way, and it never, I never quite understood, um, like I just wanted Greg there, like when we went into labor, um, like his prayerful presence and like just everything about it, I felt like, no, this is so intimate and so beautiful and I'm, you know, it's just me and you. And it wasn't a judgment on other people who wanted sisters and mothers and aunts or whatever. Mm -hmm. That just wasn't our experience. And so I was blessed that Annie, you know, had invited me to be a part of that sacred moment. Um, So I think at that point, I probably thought more about my mom Mm -hmm. than, you know, years before when it was me going through it. And some of it was, um, from Annie and being able to be there after uh, little Magdalena was born and to be present and to let her rest. And to um, she was staying at her in-laws and they invited me very graciously to stay there for a few days. And so just kind of being that, that presence with her and kind of, you know, snugging her also along with Magdalena. And obviously there's hormones going on and stuff, but at one point she, um, and I I think she'd be okay with me sharing this. She, you know, was just very weepy. And, and her comment was, you didn't have a mom to do this with. And Mm. it was like, I could have been sad, but my, my immediate reaction, natural reaction was actually one of, I am so blessed that I can be here for you. Yeah. You know, and to enter into that moment and that, you know, you welcomed me into it. And mm-hmm. 
So it was more of, of that space, I think, that that and I truly give God the glory in that grace. Like that's it's not anything that I think about. It's just kind of how his grace has worked in my life, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the mysteries of motherhood we've been exploring is that in a mother is a space to receive the other. Mm. Um, mm. It just struck me in so many ways. Like you were so received by Mary, by the church, by all these women in your life. Um, but then you had the space to receive, right? To receive your children, to receive mm-hmm. your grandchildren. Um, I mean, if I start ranting, kick me. But no. this is one of my, <laughs> I never kick you. So I think so much of like life and healing and holiness and all of it, we have to make sure we're dealing in reality. Yes. Um, and we live in a very like idealistic culture where um, sometimes we think like the ideas are more real than the experience. Yes. And I think this can infect mm-hmm. our medical system, right? Because we have, there's a certain idea, an ideal, a, a category we create and we name it. And that's the, whatever the disease or the, or the condition is. Mm-hmm. Then there's a certain symptomology that goes with that, a constellation of experiences. And as humans, we're very suggestible, you know, like, like I do coaching and spiritual direction with people. And one of the things I'm always very delicate with is I know that if I say something, like it affects their experience, mm-hmm. right? So I can ask a question that can be leading and that could actually change their experience of the world by suggesting something to them, right? right? So I always try to enter in with uh, sort of like trying to honor their experience. And if I'm ever trying to suggest something, I'm very, try to be very overt that, you know, this is my idea and I want to know what you think. I'm not telling you this is what you should be experiencing, but it's true that, and and I think something even more about the feminine heart is vulnerable to this, this idea of what I should be experiencing in the moment versus what's actually there. Yes. And you got it, Andrew. And like our Lord says, the truth will set you free. So like being grounded in the reality of the experience of what's happening, I think is so important to like health and holiness mm-hmm. as opposed to like living in the world of ideals and then telling ourselves what we should be thinking, mm-hmm. what we should be feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what you just said there is such a beautiful illustration of that, of, you know, no, actually like there were difficult moments, but, but in so many ways, like I was just present mm-hmm. and felt blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such a beautiful, I think, image of, of like the goodness of God in, Amen. in, in our life. Mm-hmm. You know, praise God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, praise God. Yeah. Yes. So I want to give a plug before we get too much further, because you and Greg do so much amazing work. But if people, Thank if you me. want to hear more from Stephanie, you can catch her on Ignite Radio Live. <laughs> Tuesday Without the video. <laughs> on Annunciation Radio, but also comes out as a podcast. Her and her husband have a beautiful ministry uh, called Mass Impact. You can find everything at ilovemyfamily.us. They publish a, a weekly prayer guide for families called the Live It Guide. Um, and I'll post all this in the show notes. But I just wanted Thank to make you. sure if people weren't going to catch the whole episode, you'd get the plug. And I'll give it again at the end. But it's all just such beautiful stuff. Um, from your perspective now, so you have this kind of youth ministry work you all are doing. I know from talking to Greg, like so much of the mission you're on now, he likes to use the image of DNA. Like the DNA was born mm-hmm. in this early mission work that you two were doing mm-hmm. with youth and with chastity and 
integrating theology of the body in a very early stage in the church. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm curious to hear from your perspective, how all this mission grew as your family grew. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, I feel like, again, it was just a natural flow Mm -hmm. and it was where one of our prayers was, um, from dating through marriage and then some find your place and make it sacred. Hmm. And that has always, regardless of where we were at or what we were going through, you know, obviously we're God, hopefully you're following where he has you and we're always called to make it sacred. Right. Hmm. And so for us, that was our, our marriage and our home and our family just enfleshed, you know? So it was a very natural thing to invite people into our home, to pray together, to, you know, meals are so great. We still call it supper. We get picked on for this, <laughs> but I grew up with supper, having people over for supper. Um, but just to be able to um, just live it out in that way, you know, our our parent nonprofit is Image Trinity, which comes from JP2's beautiful exhortation to, you know, challenge telling families become what you are you know, that present moment. And what he's referring to is an image of the Trinity, right? That love outpoured, that self-gift just constantly being outpoured and received and outpoured. And that's what we're called and, you know, to be. And so in our mission, as our family grew, so we were blessed with um, six children in seven years. So all, you know, one right after the other, which was a great blessing and very intense <laughs> at times and a little crazy, but blessed craziness. Um, and so we never stopped. I mean, we just always, I was blessed to be able to bring kids with us to to always, um, you know, be present at d- different events and different gatherings. And we were always bringing, again, people into our homes. And it's interesting because um, our older kids in particular, Annie, just the other day said something about how how formative that was for her to be around these young adults who loved the Lord so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the prayer and the trying to live it out and, you know, falling and getting back up again and the the different priests that we were so blessed to have as an integral part of our family and our life and those who became priests and those mm-hmm. there are two who became sisters. And um, so just, it was just a very natural, I love the image of home, yeah. of domestic church, of, I mean, it is a home, the church is our home, you know, mm-hmm. um, but just to be able to live it out in those ways of simple gathering, of pulling people into pray, um, that it just very much became our family mission of having children, you know, with where God was calling us to in ministry, you know, informing these different teams, informing these different interns, and the blessing of so many different events that pulled in so many families and so much of the community. And, um, I feel like that it it just it just poured forth and the Lord just constantly led it where he was desiring it. And the impact, I remember a dear friend of ours who was a priest, Father Steve Schreiber from Erie. Um, I remember throwing this blanket at one of the events, you know, during the summer. And um, he had been part of our ministry from the beginning of his priesthood. And he loved our kids and our kids loved him. And he just, you know, just this, he had the great, this great smile and he was holding one of our, whoever was the youngest at the time. And he's like, I cannot wait to see 
what the Lord does with each one of them, you know, in in all of this, meaning that was the the water that they were blessed to drink, the water that they were blessed to be immersed in. And certainly I hope that, you know, we're seeing the fruits and every day is a fruit and it's not over till it's over. But that was such a blessing for us, for the Lord to call us to um, the integration of family life and ministry. Now, people will say, well, that's you guys. You know, like that you were called to minister and to do this and to evangelize and to, which we're all called in in different ways. Certainly we were blessed um, where it was a little easier, but I still feel like we're um, all called to do that and where the Lord has it, has us to find that place and make it sacred, make it sacred. Yeah. Yeah. Find your place and make it sacred. Just in my men's group this morning, um, we were finishing the gospel of Mark. Mm -hmm. And in Jesus's exhortation to the apostles before the ascension, he says, you know, go out. And he says, you know, the, of course, the preaching gospel to all nations, but he says to all creatures too, mm-hmm. you know, and then the commentary, it was talking about, um, you know, how, how part of our call isn't just to um, like convert people, but also to transform the world around us. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about creating spaces in the creation where the enemy is once again cast out. Mm-hmm. You know, it made me think yes. of um, like Adam and Eve in the garden, how they they were given the sacred place, but they were meant to till and keep it and expand it. Many right. commentators think, right? Um, right. So there's this way that we, uh, in the context of the new covenant, manifest the kingdom of God in our space, uh, and I think that's a beautiful image of what we do in our homes, mm-hmm. right? That we're claiming this space for the kingdom and for the Lord, and it really called to, to, to create a space where the enemy's cast out mm-hmm. and the effects of sin are abolished. Um, and that that's then the space where, our, where children are uh, introduced to the world, yes. where they're given meaning, uh, where they're, they're given a, a way of understanding. And, you know, modern psychology uses all kinds of terms for this, like attachment theory and, mm-hmm. you know, all this. But really, I think in so many ways, what we're doing is we're in those spaces, we're introducing people to reality. Yes. Right? Because reality is that God is present, that he is love, that our foundational posture to the world can be one of trust, mm-hmm. um, and that we will be provided for. Where if you look at like the secular narrative, it's the opposite of like all the ideas that have gone into our government. It's like yes. people are, are are at base, like bad. We need a bunch of laws to control people's behavior. Um, like, you can't trust anyone else. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself. No mm-hmm. one is there for you, but the state will take care of you. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> um, right, right. Uh, which is which is not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of brings me back to the point we we're talking about before, where so much of health and holiness is like living in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we're doing in our homes is we're creating a place where reality can be experienced. Mm-hmm. Like that's so much of what Mass Impact does. It's like get together be together, love each other, be real with each other and pray together. Amen. Right. And then what's next? Repeat, do it again. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but right. but what is it? That's we're we're forming ourselves in an experience of reality. Mm-hmm. And in that if I could just throw this in with mm-hmm. it, a part of mass impact and the Livic guide and such a key component which has um affected many people and I would say our own family is the mm. the place for apology. Yeah. Right. And that's reality. The reality is we hurt each other, we wound each other. We need to ask forgiveness. We need mm. to give forgiveness. 
we need to receive it, <laughs> you know, just yeah. kind of repeat, <laughs> like you said, right? And um, that I think as parents also, I just want to jump back a little bit. Um, I remember being in grade school and our principal, Sister Norma, the, who was a sister from the Congregation of the Divine Spirit. It was actually an order founded in Erie by Bishop Watson. And she would often talk about, for herself, accountability hmm. and, you know, and challenging. And whether it was in discipline or um, bringing the faith, they were very solid faithful nuns where faith in that school integrated everything. Hmm. And, um, and so that just, I'm a, one day I'm going to stand before God, she would often say, and be, you know, accountable for how I X, Y, or Z, you know, and it always related, you know, to the students or her teachers or whatever. And so that really stuck with me. And I remember my very first time of teaching you know, I had my little nameplate outside my classroom <laughs> door, Miss Wagner, and being so excited because I could not wait to teach and um, in a classroom and have those kids. And it was interesting because I was uh, duo certified in early childhood in L. Ed at the mm -hmm. time is how they did it, and I taught junior high. So <laughs> it was. I felt very called to teach in the Catholic schools, and those mm -hmm. were the openings. And I came to quickly find out that they have so many of the same needs as the little ones, right? And um, so that was part of the Lord's plan also. But I remember just praying, you know, going in there and and hearing Sister Norma's voice about accountable, and not in a harsh way. Like it was never, a, a, you know, this judgmental, whatever. It was like the reality of the Lord has placed this responsibility and I'm accountable to him for it. Mm. And so I just remember as my students came in, my kids, and just being like so overwhelmed with like the Lord entrusted these souls to me, you know, yes, I need to teach them, you know, whatever I was teaching at the time, but also to come to know him and how that, you know, their ultimate destiny, right? And we were made to know him, to love him and to serve him in this world and to be happy with him forever in the next, as the good old Baltimore Catechism says. And just like how much that like overwhelmed me in such a beautiful way. And then as parents, as a mother, to hold each child and in, in, in those moments as they're getting older and discipline becomes more of a real thing and formation becomes more of a real thing, just that whole sense too of, gosh, like the Lord entrusted this soul, <laughs> you know, to me and the responsibility and the accountability. And I think sometimes we as parents need to be reminded of that. Like it's not just a, um, you know, a physical meeting their physical needs or the easy things or, you know, well, you know, this, I'm going to pick my battles or, you know, there's just so many realms of parenting and especially in motherhood, supporting fatherhood, mm -hmm. right? And how that's just so messed up right now, I think in many ways, Um but the importance of that, you said reality, and that's kind of where my mind went. Just that is that is so real. And again, at Mass Impact, um, in this ministry, hopefully what we provide and the opportunities, be it the Live It Gathering Guide or other things at ilovemyfamily.us, um, you know, can help help with that. And it's not perfect. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But just you know, we need those guides. And I love, I loved even just using the phrase, 
um, you know, just presenting the treasures of the church in this way, because that's all it is. It's the treasures of the church that we've been given, you know, in um, relationship, in the gospel, in the word, in forgiveness, in so many opportunities that we're blessed with as Catholics to kind of imbue into our own homes and in our own relationships. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other concepts from the theology of the body that helps me understand this is the idea of the language of the body. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and one of the, the ways I like to think about this is that mom and dad are the first catechisms for their children, right? Each one in flesh, complementing complementary realities of the divine mm-hmm. for their children. But one of the problems is, you know, going back to those early stories, the Tower of Babel, right? We've lost the language. We, we, if it hasn't been enfleshed for us, right? If it isn't something we received, and classically, I would say our, our churches relied a lot on culture mm-hmm. to give these lessons. So as the culture has faded from Christendom over time, um, this has been more and more absent in, from people's lives. Right? And we haven't done a lot to fill the gap. So a lot of good Catholics are, their whole heart and mind and soul are on fire for the Lord, but they just struggle with, well, like, how the heck do I do this with my kids? Right. right? right. And, and what I love about what you all do is in so many ways, you, you teach people how to speak that language to mm-hmm. their children again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's that undoing a Babel, that Pentecost. Right. So there's kind of a, it's kind of, Pentecost meets the family mm. is so much of what Mass Impact is about, um, and learning to, to to speak that language of of reality of God's presence of love of the Spirit um, in the bodies of mom and dad to their children, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I've I've seen happening in people's lives and it's happened in our life as we are preparing to be parents. Is uh, and once mom and dad start speaking that language in their body then the children pick up the faith, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes people are like, how do I know my kid's going to stay Catholic? And, and it's like this, um, I don't know, it's almost like the Da Vinci Code. It's like, how do we uncode, right. like, like making sure our, our children are faithful and they believe in, in the Lord. Um, and, and I think it, you, you make it so simple in a way that you just live it mm-hmm. and you love them in the midst of it and you're real and you live in reality together and you have these moments of shared life and those moments of shared life move it from the head to the heart. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so many Mm -hmm. times I think that's the issue is like the kids go off to college, they go off into their job. And if the heart's not converted yet, the head can, the ideas in the head can be easily be, um, be dislodged Mm -hmm. by that professor at the university, by that new group of friends, by, um, just being in neutral for a while and letting the culture mm-hmm. invade. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the if the ideas have made their way down into the heart, and they, that happens by experiences of love, then the faith has taken root. Um, and I think that's the for me that's so much the core of what Mass Impact mm-hmm. is about, and and what I've seen you all living. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, God is just so good. God is good. You were talking about, you know, the different like father mother thing. Hmm. Um the I love this story of when our Dominic was a little guy and we were living in Erie and hmm. he was probably 2 maybe and he came out one wintry morning to 
tons of snow having been dumped and it was still snowing and we had this big picture window and he adored Greg like just as a oh my gosh like I would be loving on him there's videos of you know me tickling him and kissing up his cheeks and you know being like Dominic who loves you and he goes daddy does <laughs> you know just like this very real relationship. So he comes out that one winter morning and he sees all of this snow and he looks up with the widest eyes and he said, mom, look what daddy did. <laughs> and so I just remember being so struck by that, like, okay, like we're introduced, this is the fatherhood relationship that he's being introduced to. And it's all, it's like overwhelming a little mm -hmm. bit too. But of course the pride got the best of me. And I was like, well, what does mom do? <laughs> like, dad can make this snow. And he thought about it, and he goes, he said, you moms cook supper and they pray. And so I'm like, I got Martha and Mary in there, maybe not the order, but, you know, food is important to him, and, you know, his prayer is in there. So, um, but it's so true, right? It's just those, those different roles that we're called mm. to. I also want to say, for all families and for any person in the faith walking as a disciple, we have no idea the little things that we do that have the effect. So it really does come down so often just to faithfulness. And yes, for sure, like moral decisions and you know, somewhat life decisions. But um, if I may share a little story of recent uh, history, um, so our son Joseph is uh, a musician and who seems to be, you know, going a little farther. Um, and he signed a deal with Provident, which is the Christian arm of Sony, and um, we'll have an album coming out and such. And founded Damascus Worship. Um, shout out to Damascus and has a great team. I'll link all the stuff in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. they, so he, um, I think it was upper room worship or something like that. So they, it's an evangelical, very, you know, music worship oriented type of church. Mm -hmm. And they have um, Sunday mornings, they like live stream, whatever they're live streaming and in regards to worship and such. And so Joseph the other day put in um, the, our family group chat because he had been listening to it and the, basically he's like, Hey, tune in, you know, so he had the link there. Well, they were praising the Lord with one of his songs. Mm. And I, I got so overwhelmed, and I'm getting a little teary right now thinking about it. So, you know, and Greg is smiling. Greg was next to me. We were driving, and um, he's, Greg thought the tears were just like, just like being proud of him and how the Lord is using, you know, the gifts that he's been given that Joseph has beautifully offered back to the Lord. Mm. And maybe there was some of that in there. I should probably be more proud, perhaps. But where the Lord took my heart in that moment, Andrew, was to Greg. And, and I got, you know, I'm like, this is you. And he's like, what? And, and I said, I just picture you on the couch with little 18-month-old Joseph running around in his little diaper. And you playing your guitar, praising the Lord, and Joseph coming up with his little chubby fingers, 
you know, like strumming and you allowing him and just that whole piece of formation. And, mm. and you know, even being moved to pick up the guitar when, you know, you were living with Father Benedict Rochelle and you taught yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and just feeling called. And so all those little things that we don't see as consequential, the Lord uses everything. Yeah. The Lord uses everything. And so that's where it's just the theme over and over again that I've been struck with more and more in our marriage, in parenting, you know, good, bad, and everything in between is that the Lord wastes nothing. Like He uses it all to bring about His glory, to bring about His plan, even when it's something so simple like that that we don't think twice of, or something really difficult that the Lord has given a cross in. And He just, it's just all, all to His glory. So thank you for letting me yeah, that's get great. a little something there. So let's fast forward again. This is fresh, I know, but just in the last couple of weeks, you dropped your youngest off at the airport. Yes. Um, and he's off. You know, he's got a lot of Greg in him too. Yeah, <laughs> they he's, all uh, do. <laughs> you know, Greg's like, he's got the ideas. He is a wizard at creating content mm -hmm. and he can get the word out there. Mm -hmm. Man, he can get the word out there. But, but as, you know, Dominic, your youngest, he's got a, you know, probably one of the top running podcasts in the country, mm -hmm. you know, amazing opportunities, creating content, getting the word out there, just masterful at what he's doing. Um, so I'm, yeah, I just would love to hear about like this transition into this next phase of motherhood mm -hmm. and what that's been like as your children are now having their own children and off pursuing careers and missions that are really kind of blossoming out of the mission of your family mm -hmm. in so many different directions. So God is good <laughs> and God is so good. Um, so yeah, it's, so we, I had mentioned we were blessed with six children in seven mm. years. And so we had like six teens basically yeah. at the same time. And I would often use the scripture and, you know, in all things give thanks. <laughs> um, so, and all that that means and, and that, we would always say from the time that our kids were little that we're forming our teenagers now, you know, and those little ways of, you know, like I remember once Annie asked for ranch, I think, for her chicken and, you know, Craig's like, she doesn't need it or like whatever it was. And in my mind, I'm like, just give her some ranch, <laughs> you know, but it was also these little moments that we came to quickly see not self-denial or deny, you know, just, mm. I don't know if that even makes sense because most people would hear that and, and maybe it's a poor example, but certainly in discipline moments, certainly in expectation, certainly in prayer and formation, mm. um, you know, you talked about the head to the heart, mm. you know, I love, Greg, I know quotes it a lot, but uh, Pope Benedict's, you know, it's relationship at the heart of ritual, mm. you know, and that's where it comes together, right? Um, so, blessed to try to live that out as they were little, as they got older. And because I would always be like, well, teenage years should not be something that you endure, yeah. you know, like this is all part of it too. And mm -hmm. to be enjoyed, even if it's difficult, even, you know, as they're experiencing stuff, as we're experiencing stuff with them experiencing stuff. <laughs> but um, so all of a sudden though, so just, um, like, you know, one by one going off and then, 
you know, certainly the back and forth a little bit, whether it's on school break or, you know, switching up different things. But then all of a sudden, it's this um, mass exodus, it felt like, right, all at once. And so reflecting back a little bit, I would say that um, parenting adults, and I put that in quotes, and I'll let your viewers <laughs> take that as they will. Yeah. Um, adult children is very difficult mm -hmm. and and beautifully difficult. Yeah. Not something to be endured, but to be experienced and enjoyed. And I feel like, you know, with the youngers, and everyone would say this in different ways, you know, little one, little people, little problems, big people, big problems. I don't even like the word problems. I feel like there's so much more control and insight and um, awareness as they're little, even if it's, you know, dealing with potty training or waking up at night or, you know, all those little things, you know, to more significant things as they get a little bigger and figuring things out and whatnot. Um, but I feel, I felt the most dependent on the Lord in my motherhood and in Our Lady. I can't tell you. <laughs> I'm like, Mary, mother me first and then help me mother, you know, them. Um, because I've, I've just in that realm of not quite sure, because they're all so different. And I laugh because Brittany, your beautiful wife, has said to me over and over again with great delight, I don't know why, she's like, all of them are so different, you know, and good, but so different. And how they can all have their own whatevers amidst, you know, being raised in the same household. But it's so true. And they're, they all have... Um, been empowered with great voices for better and for worse and great confidence and, mm. you know, kind of that, um, that delicate dance of them wanting to be parented and then not at all, yeah. you know, and kind of learning what that means and what that looks like. And, mm. um, you know, growing into what one would regard as a, more of a friendship, but mm. also, um, you know, the, the Lord still calls us in our roles. It just switches up a little bit. So the overwhelming thing that I would say that this season has marked is just a season of real gratitude, mm -hmm. of looking back, and certainly with some sadness of, you know, like, gosh, you know, everyone says it goes by so fast. It really goes by so fast. Mm -hmm. um, but you got to let them go to grow sometimes and oftentimes. But looking back, it really is just, God, you've been so good. Praise God. You know, I don't, you know, yes, Dominic has this incredibly successful podcast and business right now that the Lord seems to be blessing and guiding. And that's great that he's in the top 30 sports podcasts in the U.S. on Spotify. But what's more significant to us is coming downstairs early in the morning and seeing him spending time in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Or he and his sisters, you know, leaving and where are you going? Confession. You know, like, mm -hmm. like, gosh, you know, like those are the moments where it's like, thank you, Lord Jesus. And again, we realize it's not over until it's over. We still pray and help where we're invited in to help and sometimes where we're not invited in. Um, but just a real sense you know, like, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the, thank you for their souls. Thank you for entrusting them to us. Thank you. Gosh, you know, even in the difficult moments, you know, of fill in the blank with whatever was going on. Thank you, Lord, your hand was in that and continues to be and stuff that we may not have understood, mm. you know. Um, 
So, yes. So, and it, it is neat too, and I want to emphasize this as mother, as father from your previous shows, that's the key relationship, right? The foundational mm -hmm. relationship to children, to our families, flowing from, first and foremost, our relationship with God. And that has to take precedence. And I think it's like Greg and I are both very um, excited and grateful to kind of rediscover that in a different way mm. um, with them being gone and such. And, um, and we delight that they are all excited when they come back and to come back and when are we going to be together? And yeah. so it's just a, it's a, it's a different formation. I think deeper prayer, greater prayer, mm -hmm. greater trust, um, but ever deepening gratitude. Yeah. yeah there's a new sweetness, mm -hmm. I'm sure. To the, you know, I, I reflect back on the, being on the other side of the transition with my parents and how much I, f I fully expected them still to be there, you know, cover my medical bills. Yeah. <laughs> I just show up and sleep and eat and just the home is like, you know, I just had like an expectation. And yet at the same time, I wanted so much independence and freedom and, and to make my own decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like a, there's, there's a, a real uh, maturing and flowering of self gift. Mm -hmm. I think that happens, you know, like a, like having babies, I'm just amazed at, you know, my time's not mine. Yeah. And like there's this ratcheting up of, of life presenting you with the opportunity to be a gift of yourself. Mm. And I feel like as you get into that phase of your kids being adults now, there's a new, a new challenge of being a gift of self. Mm -hmm. And it's a maturing of the previous challenges and a whole new like bracket of needing to be selfless and having no expectations of getting anything out of it. Right. Um, but on the other hand, it's like your life's been preparing you. Yes. Like as the Lord is presenting new challenges. So um, that grace of the state. Yeah. Right? I'm grateful I get to learn from you before oh. we get there. Well, I'm like, I should interview you right now. Let me ask you some questions about this. That's deep insight though. It's yeah. so true. So true. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. For coming Andrew. on the show. Um, if you want to find everything her and Greg are up to, I love my us mass impact, uh, ignite radio live, the weekly live it guide. There's an app websites. I'll put it all in the show notes so people can find it. So please do go find all the tools that they're publishing. If you want a little bit more of the how to, to get down into the, into the brass tacks of, um, you know, living this, this kind of, uh, this kind of parenthood that we've been talking about here, um, avail yourself to all those resources. And with that, thank you everyone for joining us and God bless. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to or watching Physically Spiritual. I'm so grateful for every moment you've given to this show. Please remember to subscribe, like, follow, and share the show. And if you want to support everything we're doing at Physically Spiritual or at Awaken Catholic, you can become a patron of the show at physicallyspiritual.com. To find anything I'm up to, head over to becominggift.com. God bless everyone.